All right. Work. Work and boundaries. Boundaries and work. Okay. So I got a question. Why is work and boundaries an important thing? Huh? It will steal your soul if you don't. Am I on? Yeah, yeah. It's good. Yeah. They will make you a doormat. Yeah. Can be our identity. Okay. Okay. All right. You don't live to work. You work to live. Uh, yeah. Boundaries are needed at work. Uh, not only because of the obvious that if we don't. If we don't have boundaries at work, we will become a doormat. But also to keep us in check that uh, anybody have a problem with taking their work home? I do. I have a huge problem. Everyone not look at Josh Wilson very hard, you know, but I like, no, you know, but like it's even it's even in those moments, too, that we got to look at what if you do if you work from home? How do you get away from work? What do you do? Yes, ma'am. Yeah, <laughs> that's the okay. Josh said something that's very true. What people will say is they'll say things like, "You don't t- you pretend it's not work, so therefore it's not work." That's work. It's a lie. What is what we've done with that? And I don't mean to call you out. You're my friend. I love you, man. But you know, hey, you're the one. You're the one who said this on the internet. You know, so like, and so, but what we've come what we've come across when we've seen that is we've enabled ourselves. To where we are not going to take, we are saying things like, it's not work, so therefore I can do it. Kelsey and I fall into that all the time. When we're on a date, she's like, okay, we got to talk about work. And I'm like, no, I don't want to talk about work at smoke. <laughs> I don't want to do that. I want to I I have a good meal. I want to talk to my wife about something that's, that's other than what, res, what calls around our four walls. And so we got to set up boundaries. Boundaries are so and I, I, think, I think work boundaries are some of the most important things that we can set up um, because it protects you. If you, have, if you. When you go home and you don't think about work, it enriches your family life, it enriches your meditation, it enriches, uh, it, it enriches almost every aspect. When you tell work, you can only go so far. Now, there's some things that we're going to have to do to, to help with that. And we'll talk about some of those things. I'll tell you, you know, some of these things that when I've started applying some of these things into my work life and what I had to do, I found out I was a better dad, I was a better husband, I was a better friend, I was a better everything because I set boundaries on how far it could go and what what we could do. There are some people, though, that uh, set up pretty bad boundaries, that have pretty bad work habits. And so uh, we're going to watch this uh, Mickey Mouse video of work. So <laughs> I love that. So what were some of the wrong boundaries in that video? What were some of the wrong ones? Yeah, yeah. Going to the interview for your friend—that's probably you know. And I love how they said that they were going to. I love. That's one of my favorite parts of this one is like we're going to win the day for Goofy. 
<laughs> you're not trying to win the day for Goofy. You're just trying to get him a job, you know? And so, well, what, what else stood out to you in that video? The, the crash test dummies, yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> right? Goofy didn't take responsibility. Mickey took over responsibility. Donald was just the, the compliant friend that just went along with it. <laughs> or maybe he's a non-responsive friend that went along with it. I don't know. He was bilingual. That's <laughs> bilingual. <laughs> like, it's such a great video. It's such a great video on not how to do things. In work, you have to take responsibility. You have to show up. You have to be there. You have to be present. And, you know, and, and the guy was, uh, the guy, the, the boss in this one had some really interesting stuff where he said things like, you know, you don't have to have job skills when your dad owns the company. You know, I mean, and so, but he's never, he doesn't even know how to work. And what's really interesting is we're, right now, we're a generation that's, work, that's developing up that has no clue what work is. We have no clue. You know, when my granddaddy would talk about things like what work, how to work, and how, how he worked, I would look at that and go, huh. You know, he would say things like, my granddad told a story of work that he was, his dad died when he was like eight years old. And so at nine years old, he was working in farms. That's what he was doing. A nine-year-old in farms to, to work. And so what he did was, and Lynn would, you're shaking your head, you would probably understand this what he had to go through is on the, he, his, the way his, the way his uh, farmer paid him was at the end of the year he would get paid. And so my granddad would work the whole year and then get a one lump sum of cash. Well, on the last day, what they started to do is they, they, were, they harvested and they were going to plow the field for the next crop that came up. So the, the, the owner of the field paid my granddad that morning. And then he went to go plow the field, and the money fell out of his pocket. And this was the money that, that his dad's not around. This is the money they used to eat. This is the money they used to live. This was everything. This wasn't just granddaddy spending money. This was money that, that they were requiring to buy bread with, and it fell out. And he was sitting there, and he was going, I don't know what to do. I don't know how we're going to do it. He had to take the, he called it the walk of shame back home. <laughs> I was like, granddad, means something totally different to me. But, you know, like, you know, he took this walk of shame back home, and he told his mom, and his, uh, his mom was like, we'll get through it. I don't know how, but we'll get through it. And they did. They got through it. Uh, and then last, the next year, they had, they, the, the farmer made such a good uh, crop the year before uh, he decided that he was going to pay his employees once at the beginning and then once at the end. So he handed granddaddy uh, half of what he was going to make up front. And what was really cool is granddad, he asked him to plow the same field that he lost the money in. And he plowed the field and he found his old wallet with all the money. Yeah, pretty cool. It's a pretty cool story of hard work. I sat there the whole time like, how did you plow the field? He's like a horse. That's how we plowed the field. We didn't have tractors. That's what we did. And I was sitting there like, ugh. Like hard work is something that we, we think hard work is getting up at 6 a.m. and staying to like 3 or 4. That's hard work. And they're sitting there going, I don't think we'll ever understand what true, truly like that, what, what they had to go through. And, and that makes me appreciate the older generation. And, and that's why the older generation actually looks at us and sees us as lazy. It's because we didn't work like they worked. We, that's, what they, that's what they do with us. And so because of that, it's very important to know that, that your degree of work, how you define work, and how the generation before us defined work was totally different. Is totally 
totally different. Uh, there's some things nowadays, and these are kind of boundary issues too, we'll hit on them too, where I've seen this over again in campus, in campus ministry, where someone's like, I don't like thy job, so they quit before they have another job. And you're sitting there like, well, how are you going to make money? I'll be fine. That is a boundary issue. There's a boundaries that we have to place up with work. <laughs> That's how it is. Most boundaries and fraction are stupid, Lynn. So, you know, it's like, so I think we need to ask this giant question, though, right here. Is why do we need to work? Why do we have to do that? That's really what the underlying, the underlying thought is right here. Is why do we need to do this? Well, I'm glad you asked. It says in Genesis chapter 3, verse 12, this. Uh, we're going to skip around in Genesis chapter 3. We're not going to read the whole thing. But this is where it comes from. Uh, you see, what just happened is God created Eden. He gave us everything we could ever want and everything we could ever need. He gave us. And we had one job, not to eat from the knowledge of, food, uh, of good and evil. And we broke it. Why? Because that's who we, that's, we are rebellious. <laughs> and like, people are like, we suck. Yeah, yeah, there's all these other things. I like how we blame Adam and Eve. Let's be honest. We've all sinned. We've all eaten from the tree. We've all done it. Every single one of us in here have eaten from that tree. If Adam and Eve didn't do it, it would just wait 2,000 years later, and then Clint Hill would have been like, that looks good. You know? <laughs> like, I mean, so, like, it would have happened, okay? It would have been bad, okay? And so because we ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, there were some consequences. There was a boundary infraction, and there was a consequence because we chose not to respect that boundary. And the boundary consequence was we are kicked out of the Garden of Eden. That's our, that's our consequence. So God said this about our consequences. In Genesis chapter 3, we're going to read 3, 17, and 20. Then God said, the woman, or then man said, the woman who put me here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is it you have done? Verse 17, to Adam, God says, because you listened to your wife and you ate the free, uh, fruit from the tree which I commanded you, you must not eat from. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil work, you will eat food from its day all the days of your life. Work is a burden put by God. It's a consequence. I believe it's a consequence because uh, we go through it, and what do we, who, whose help do we need to get through it mostly? God's. It's a consequence to make us look up and go, how am I going to get this without you? Exactly. Exactly. If you feel over your head at work, I find that most of our generation just leave because we're like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. We rarely do what God intended us to do as we look up and go, what am I supposed to do? How am I supposed to handle this? That's why we have work. It's a consequence. In Matthew chapter 20, verse 8, it says this. Um, and, and we'll read the story, but I think it needs to be set up just a little bit. Uh, everyone, God, God, uh, this master of the house uh, had some workers in his field, and he agreed to pay these workers one denarii. That's what he agreed to. All right, and so throughout the day, throughout the day, he would he saw there was more work, so he'd hire more people. He would go out and he said, "Hey, in the morning, come with me. I'm going to pay you a denarii." Then he'd go out to the afternoon, see more guys standing around. I was like, "Hey, come come with me. I'm going to pay you a denarii for work." And then he went at the midday and said, "Hey, come with me. I'm going to pay you a denarii." And so all these people were lining up, and the people who were there at the very beginning, what do you think they thought? 
I'm going to get more money. I was here the longest. So let's see what happens. Matthew chapter 20, verse 8. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard came, uh, said to his foreman, call the workers, to get, uh, workers and pay them for the wage, beginning with the last ones hired and, and, and going to the first. It's like he's setting up failure right there, but he, that's what he does. The workers who were hired about five in the afternoon came forward and each received a denarii. So when those came forward who were hired first, they expected to receive more. But each of, uh, but each of them were given a denarii. And when they received it, they began to grumble against the landowner. Those who were hired last only worked one hour, they said. And you have made them equal to us who have been born the burden of work and the heat of the day? Isn't that true, Howie? Man, we justify it. Man, that's so true. We don't just elaborate. Oh, I worked from the very beginning. I burden from the heat of the day. <laughs> You're sitting there like, you worked one day, man. <laughs> like, you know, I mean, that's all you did. Burden from the heat of the day. The landowner, uh, but the landowner answered one of, them, uh, one of them and said, I'm not being unfair to you, friend. Did you not agree to work for a denarii? Take your pay and go. I want to give you the one who's hired the last the same as I give you. Verse 15, don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? Are you envious because I'm generous? The one thing that we forget that work is put, one thing that, that work is put here to do for us is work is put here to build our character. That's what work is made to do. Work is made to build our character. And I find out when someone quits, it's rarely because they didn't enjoy the work. It's because their character, they, they, didn't, they didn't value character. <laughs> they didn't value hard work. They valued things like, like, like they, 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 they looked at things and they said, well, I deserve everything. And God's going, no, you deserve to do hard, you deserve to do work. Work builds our character. It makes us appreciate the things that we have and the things that we don't. Uh, some, you know, uh, so it looks like in this, in this parable right here, in Colossians chapter 3, verse 23, it says this, Whatever you do with all your heart, work as for the Lord and not for human masters. So work builds character. It teaches us to work hard. Another thing that we've got to remember is that work ends. Through this parable, the work ended. All right, and these commandments that I give you today are to be on your written on your hearts. This is Deuteronomy six, uh, chapter six, verse sixes and seven. These commandments that I give you today are to be written on your heart. Impress on them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. Commandments from God, not work all day. Not uh, not what you did that day at work. We're supposed to sit down with our kids. We're supposed to sit down with each other and know that our workday ends. And when that workday ends, we can join in fellowship with one another. It's, it's, it's one of the most important aspects of work is that it ends. Another huge, huge thing that we miss out uh, in work is that work is the biggest mission field we have. Think about it. You spend how many hours at work? Yeah, 40 plus yeah, that's given the, your coworkers the opportunity 40 hours to see how Jesus would react in scenarios. It's the biggest missionary effort we have. Every person who is called to, fo to follow God goes deeper. 
Uh, one of my favorite, one of my first, uh, one of my favorite verses in First Timothy chapter three verse seven. It's talking about elders, but it really is talking about. Uh, it, I mean, it's a, it, everything that everyone should aspire to be. In First Timothy chapter three verse seven, it says, "You must have a good reputation with outsiders." <laughs> People must look at you and go, "Man, I may not agree with everything, but they are a hard worker. They work hard." And it's important to look at when, when we look at those things in work and realize that it is the missionary field. Uh, we aren't working for a paycheck. We're working for our God. That's what we're doing, and it's his money. And he can do whatever he wants with his money. So here's some boundaries that we're going to have to look at if we are going to have uh, boundaries in our workplace. First boundary in our workplace is, in some of these things I'm going to say and you're going to groan because it's, oh, I hate it when it happens. And it's okay to hate it when these things happen. These are boundaries and fractions that happen at the work. Getting saddled with another person's responsibilities. How does that make you feel? Why does it make you mad? Why does it make you mad? <laughs> yeah. Because they get the credit for it sometimes. True. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Yep. It's kind of like what we talked about last night, the burden and loads thing. There's some loads at work that I think people should be responsible for. Their attitudes, their behaviors, I can't control any of that. But in a crisis situation, I'm more than happy to help. You know what I mean? I just don't think that's my job. Okay. Those are some things that we're going to get into those things on how to handle those things. Because those are, you're right, those are boundary issues at work that we probably need to address. You know, which is actually, believe it or not, I know it sounds weird, but it's a huge compliment to you when someone says, hey, I really, you can handle more work. Well, okay, let's talk about this. You know, you know, and sometimes you can. Sometimes you really need to evaluate it and go, yeah, I can, you can expect more of me. I can do more. But doing more isn't necessarily a bad thing. When we get this work thing, when we go to work, and I've noticed this like, a lot with me, is that we don't work to get the job done. We work to do the least amount of possible, possible when I'm there. You know? And that's not, the tr- that's not what needs to happen. We need to take a, another mentality of looking at it and going, I need to work till the job's done. Requires whatever it takes. That's what I need to do. We need to work to, because I know it builds my character. I know it'll build my character. Um, so getting saddled with another person's responsibilities, if you're feeling resentful and taking up others' responsibilities, then you have some options at the workplace. We need to take responsibility for our emotions of how we're feeling. We need to take responsibility for that and going, I'm feeling this way, and address it. You know, automatically, the first time you know, someone says this, you know, if you're feeling resentful, it isn't because my coworker's fault, and it's not, it is mine for not putting up a proper boundary of saying that. Um, my feeling resentful isn't because of my coworker's fault. It is mine for not putting up a proper boundary. We don't need to take, be responsible for our coworker's work. We need to act responsible to our coworker and not out of anger, even if we get angry. Okay? And not, it's, it, you know, and we can't accept their consequences. Because if they're getting loads taken off and put on you, that is their consequence of it. I can't accept their consequences, but I can't accept mine. So you have a choice right now. If you're getting saddled with other person's work, you can, you can look at it as maybe they're, they're great power, you know, with great power comes great responsibility. Maybe I have a duty to do more, 
Or if you feel like you've been wronged, you need to go talk to your supervisor. But also realize there could be consequences that comes with that. Not necessarily every time. Not necessarily. If you're a hard worker and you're you're and you feel like you you feel like you're to the point where you can't do your job, what what manager are you going to work for where they're going to look at you and go, oh, I can't believe you can't handle yourself? No, if you're working for a person and you're going, I I, I'm, I can't handle anymore, I can't do this, and you have a manager that goes, well, and doesn't understand that and understand the points of needs, I mean, they're not going to be a manager for very long. Yep. Yeah, respond and don't react. That's true. That's a very good point. Is is to respond. Um, we are called to help people, uh, and and uh, that's what we're called to do as believers. And cone workers sometimes genuinely need help. So we need to assess if they genuinely need help with a scenario, or am I taking over their job? We need to assess that. <coughs> Uh, and this, it, you know, it could be in those moments if they truly need help to perfectly shine the light of Christ. Because didn't Christ, when you needed help, helped you? And this is a small token of when you can help someone else. And as Christians, we need to get over, we, and I, I love, <laughs> quote my granddad again, we need to get our panties out of a bunch. And we need to realize that sometimes people need help. And that gives me the best opportunity to show them what Jesus can do in their life. And so, if we can create a workplace of love and a good company, and, and uh, if we can create a, a workplace that operates out of love, that is when a good company starts. Because believe it or not, good companies operate lovingly. Good companies, not bad companies, good companies operate lovingly. And so, getting saddled with another person's responsibilities is a boundary at work that we need to look at. You need to assess, you need to examine, and going, am I being helpful or am I just getting loaded on? Do I need to go talk to a supervisor? What do I need to do? Uh, Working too much overtime. This is a boundary at work. Sometimes overtime is inevitable, it's true. But too much creates huge problems within your house. Now, some of y'all may not understand that because you're single, it doesn't cause a huge problem right now, but if I work too much overtime, I miss out on important life opportunities with my kids, with my wife, opportunities that I don't want to miss because of I'm at a job. Is there anything wrong with overtime? No, there's nothing wrong with overtime. But it's when overtime becomes a god, that's when it becomes something wrong. All right? Uh, our first priority to those we are working for and not, we are who, not those who we are working with. It's very important. Your first priority in life is those who you're working for, are not those who you're working for. Our first priority is those who we are not working for and not those we are working with. Family is priority. Placing God, church, family, wife on the back burner is not giving them your best and will have direct disastrous effects. It will have disastrous effects if you do that. You need to give your best where it counts, right? Uh, You need to set up boundaries on overtime. Decide how much overtime is acceptable for you and your family. You know, we have some people in here that that they're their own boss. And guess what that means? You decide when you have overtime and when you do not. Because you're your boss. But in those moments, you've got to decide which is more important. Spending time with my family or getting this job done. That's when, it, that's when you really got to examine things. 
You've got to review sometimes your job descriptions to see if that falls within your job descriptions. Uh, We've got to make a list of tasks that need to get done and meet them to avoid necess- overtime if necessary. Uh, make an appointment and talk to your boss if you're overloaded. If your boss doesn't care, then it may be time to find a new boss that does. And so, but even then, you handle it in a loving, respectful, and godly way. And being a Christian doesn't mean you go, I quit, and then flip everything over. That's not what we do. That's not how we handle it. Being a Christian means being as smart as a viper and as innocent as a dove. It means analyzing and examining everything and then going about the acting out in a way that is innocent, just like Christ. That's what it is. It's a boundary. And we look at that, and it's very, very important to, to be that. We need to delegate responsibilities at work. That's very important. You know, the best person that I've, and I'm not saying this because he's in the room, but one of the best person I've seen at delegation is actually Lynn. And when I was a campus minister, me and him, would, we'd have long talks about who I could delegate things to because what I'm terrible at is delegating things. And Lynn would go, you need to delegate. And I'd be like, ah, I, don't, I think I can handle it. He's like, I know you can handle it, but you need to give others the opportunity to handle it because that's how people grow. And that stuck with me when he had that conversation with me. That stuck with me. And I was like, man, I'm not, I'm giving the opportun- not giving people the opportunity to grow. There's a guy in the <laughs> scriptures. He's one of my favorite guys. Uh, it's in Exodus chapter 18, verse 14. It was Moses' father-in-law named Jethro. I know, Jethro. <laughs> I love the fact that his name, because there's a show called Beverly Hillboys with a guy named Jethro. And he was dumb. This Jethro was actually extremely smart, all right? Uh, so he was Moses' father-in-law. And he saw that Moses was, was judging over all of Israel alone. And he said this, he, Jethro went up to him and said, Why are you doing this for the people? Why do you sit as judge with all these people standing around you from morning till evening? And Moses answered him, Because the people come to me and ask God's will. And whenever they have a dispute, it's brought to me. And I decide between the parties and inform them of God's decrees and instructions. Verse 17, Jethro replied, What you're doing is not good. You and these people who come to you will only wear yourselves out. The work's too heavy for you. You cannot handle it alone. The things at work, you need to delegate to other people. Um, it's important to delegate responsibilities because what, when we handle it on our own, it may get the job done, but that person may not grow in, in relationship, and that's not good either. And that's, it's good to have to coworkers that are competent and that can grow, and they can't do that if you always answer for them. Uh, the, the next thing that we have to do is difficult coworkers could be a boundary at work. Difficult coworkers. Most major contributor to stress is because of a difficult coworker. Let's just be honest. When you have the power to change, remember this though. It's very, very important when you're dealing with with uh, with uh, difficult coworkers. You have the power to change yourself. You do not have the power to change them. You do not have the power to change them. Uh, why they do their actions is because of their boundaryless life. That's why they do that. Do not have their boundaryless life impede on your boundaries. Um, you have the power to refuse to let someone know that uh, uh, you have the power to refuse to let a other person to affect you. If they're terrible at their job, that's because they're terrible at their job. They're a difficult co-worker. That doesn't mean that you have to be a difficult co-worker as well. Uh, you can go and talk to your boss again. You can go and, and talk to people. There are people, I know there most places has an HR department for a reason. Talk to them. Get to know them. 
you know, uh, and, and it's weird because when I was on the railroad and anybody mentioned HR, they're like, whoa, we don't have to do that. <laughs> You're like, then what are they there for? What are they there for? And people, we, we, would, get, we would get into that. We would, we would really be frustrated with, uh, with, with, with it. So take, but take, a, take difficult coworkers to the proper channels and don't let their attitude affect yours. We have that boundary and we have that power. Um, well, another thing that we do is, is it's important to have a good attitude. You know who the best prophet, the most successful prophet in all of Scripture was? Jonah. He actually did what God set him out to do. He changed Nineveh. And he had the worst attitude about it in the whole world. The whole city of Nineveh changed because of what Jonah did. You know, you know Jonah's story, right? He decided that God said, I want you to go to Nineveh, which is kind of like Las Vegas. He's like, I'm not going there. And he goes the opposite direction. And he, he well, or well, we think a well, but a giant fish eats him and then uh, spits him out in three days. And he's like, ah! I'm going to Nineveh. <laughs> it's like, God's got my attention. And he goes to Nineveh, and everybody changes. The whole city puts on sackcloth and goes, teach us of this God. This is fantastic. And you think Jonah's attitude throughout the whole thing would be, this is incredible. This is amazing. And his attitude is this. He gets angry. He sits in the desert. A plant rises up. And, and he's happy that he's sitting in the shade, and then a worm eats the plant. This is what happens in Jonah chapter 4, verse 9. Jonah, God says to Jonah, Is it right for you to be angry about the plant? It is, Jonah said. I'm so angry, I wish I were dead. But the Lord said, You have been concerned about this plant, though you did not tend it and not grow. And it sprang up overnight and died overnight. And should I not have more concern than a great city like Nineveh? His attitude was so bad that he missed out on the glorious opportunity that God did. He changed a whole city. And we only know that they were changed for one generation. That's all we know that they were changed for. Why? Because they had no spiritual leader like Jonah to lead them. Because Jonah was more concerned about what he could get out of it than what God could do through it. And so we need to have a good attitude. Because how do you know the place that you're working isn't your Nineveh? How do you know that? You don't. You don't know that. You don't know what God can do through it. Jonah can, uh, Jonah can only control his attitude, and he could be overjoyed that God is merciful and he reaches lost souls, but instead he's mad at a plant. And that's about as stupid as that is. Another thing that another boundary issue at work is taking stress home. There's two components we are at work when we take when we take stress home. There's the emotional component that conflicts at work need to be dealt with emotionally dealt with. You know, we have conflicts at work and we need to deal with those conflicts at work and we get really frustrated and this may need you know there's energy. There's there's uh, emotional things that come about. My job is very emotional. I deal with a lot of counseling and a lot of like I mean I get really tired and how to and I get emotionally drawn from those conversations they don't energize me I walk away going man I feel like I was hit by a truck and I'm emotionally white and this means that when I when I have those days uh, what I do is I go for a run that's what I do I go for a run at a, at a gym or something um, and I also now do woodwork to to help with those things as well you know, I, I do that to get away from the emotional component. 
Or if you're, if you're sitting at home and, and you realize that you're going to take some emotional stuff home, uh, I also go to a place, uh, <laughs> I go walk around the store for a little bit. And it may be 10 minutes. And in that 10 minutes, I deal with it emotionally. And then I'll get back in my car and I'll go home. And I realize when I'm home, I'm a better dad and I'm a better husband. Why? Because I've emotionally dealt with what had happened at work. Sometimes you've got to do that. Sometimes you've got to do the things to, the point is, is you deal with stress the appropriate ways, because if you don't, they'll come out in inappropriate ways. The se- so the first emotional component is taking stress home is, a, is, is emotional. The second par- part is energy, is we have this feeling that the job is never done. Put limits on a product, project that have an ending date, and then respect the ending date. Uh, make sure overtime doesn't become a pattern. We've already talked about that. And we can never forget this. The, job, the aspect of the job is never done. Jesus rested, and so should you. It's very important to rest. Uh, the reasons why we don't rest, there's usually two reasons why we don't rest. Guilt is we're feeling guilty over um, the fact that we're resting. Have you ever been in that moment where you're like, you finally can start resting, and then you're like, I have so much to do. <laughs> I shouldn't just read, no, clear your mind, but I got that, bah. Yeah. Yeah. And we feel guilty about all the things that aren't done. What we need to do is we need to find a way to make sure that that job gets done so that we can rest. Another reason why we don't rest is it's awkward. It's awkward. We, we enjoy the feeling of being needed so much that when we get in those moments and we're like, I'm going to start resting, you're like, ah, I don't know what to do. Clear your mind. No, mm, no, I'm not doing that. Oh, movie. No, ah, I'm going to read scripture. And then you start to read scripture and you go, ah, ah, movie. Ah, why do we keep going to movies? And this is really the thought process that you have with all of it. It's awkward to be at peace, it's awkward. And so, what we need to do is we need to start embracing that awkward. Another thing that we do is we view rest as weak. Jesus isn't weak, my friends. He wasn't weak. He was a lot of things, but weak was not that. He was the strongest man I have ever encountered. He's not weak. And God rested on the seventh day. That's another thing. Is it from my earthly father that I'm trying to please or my heavenly father that I'm trying to please? That's really what boils down to rest. What's driving you? What's more, who has more merit in my life? My earthly father or my heavenly father? And the third reason why we don't rest is it's not a priority. Rest, why is rest a priority? Because when, uh, could it be that my frustrations, my job, my family, my wife be, be striving from, that they're not a priority, but what I'm happening at work is the priority. So you have to have, you have, to have the right priority when you come to it. Uh, that could mean that you take a day off, whatever that day is, and in that day you don't do things. Whatever that is, you don't do. You know, like my day off is usually Friday. Obviously, yesterday I worked a little bit. No big deal. Sometimes that happens. It's not, you know, it's, it's not the end of the world when that has to happen. I can only say that when you have rest, when you do rest. Friday, if you come over, guess what? I probably won't answer my door. If you try to call me, I won't answer my phone. If you text me, I won't text back. I won't do anything on Friday. And there's a reason for that, because I need to gain my sanity. Where you will probably catch me, I'm not going to tell you. 
<laughs> because it's my Friday. It's my Friday. And so and it's my day off with my kids. It's super important. Now, if someone's baptized, I'll be there in a second. Because there's some things that are super important. And your salvation is that. Because why? It's a priority. It's a priority. But you dealing with some life crisis? Not my priority. Not my priority. It's okay. And the last reason why we need boundaries at work, sometimes you just dislike your job. It's okay. It's okay. We've all had crap jobs. You know, uh, before, <laughs> before I, I, I used to work as a waiter, I hated it. I was really good at it, but I hated it. It just was not. And I learned, and sometimes you've got to get in jobs, especially when people who are younger, um, and sometimes at this age too, you've got to get in jobs to figure out what you like and don't like. You know, I like food service. Awesome. I don't like food service. Awesome. You're free to decide those things. But what we have to do is we have to act in it in a way that we put boundaries up on it. And I would venture to say this, guys. If you are quitting jobs without having another job in place, that's a boundaryless life. Because what you're doing is you're requiring others to pick up the slack. And now your load has become someone else's load. And that's not good. Work is a part of our identity, and it taps into our particular giftedness that God has created us to do. It can be used in amazing ways. If you dislike your job, you have a, and, and you have figure, and you figures, you need to figure out what your gifts are. You know, are you on a career path that you want to be? Or was this career path decided for you by someone else? Those are questions you need to ask. Another question you need to ask is, am I finding joy in taking the risks? Um, am I finding joy in the risks at work? Um, am I establishing an identity at work? How am I taking ownership in this place? How am I taking ownership in my work? You know, we need to assess our talents and our limitations, and we need to make sure they're realistic in that. So, and then the last thing that I want you to do is if you don't like your job, take a jump. Take a leap in faith and try something. You know, um, usually we find out we don't like our job because we're afraid of success. Yeah, I know some people go, huh? And some people know exactly what I'm talking about. We fear success. And sometimes that's why we hate the job, because we know we'll succeed. And because if I know if I succeed, i got to self-sabotage it. And if i got to self-sabotage it, then everything needs to blow up. Why? Because I'm a failure and everyone already knows it. That's why we need to take every motion, every, every thought captive, and why it's super important to take it, even more so important to take it captive at work. So, all right, we're going to break for lunch. Ooh, all right. We're going to break for some lunch. And uh, when do we come back here, Carol? 115. Get lunch and come back at 115, and then we will do boundaries and dating. All right. My favorite one.